Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Soshing with Suntwe yet again. We're just having a few technical difficulties with the feed on the Zimbabwe side. So as soon as uh, Christy Lee gets her side sorted out, um, we will uh, get going again. I'm just going to take this opportunity to um, start sharing the feed. Uh, and if you would also do the same, drop us a comment. Let us know where you're coming from. Here she is. We're about to come online with us now. There we go, Christy Lee. So yeah, just drop a comment <laughs> and uh, and uh, say hi. And um, we're going to just share the thing quickly. So just be with us for a second. So I'm just going to go in here. I'm getting lots of messages from people. Are you on yet? And just because we because we uh, <laughs> we're a bit late. But um, yes, we're on, and it is happening now. I was expecting technical <laughs> Let me go and share as well. Yeah, so share now. And share to the group. Right, let me also share. <laughs> Okay. Cool. So just to bring you up to speed, uh, today Christy, Christy Lee and I are going to be talking about the telling room, which is, uh, yeah, this is not a great way to look at it, uh, the telling room, which is a movie that uh, her and her fiance have been working on for the past two years or so. How long? And also... Uh, yeah, around about two, two and a half years. Yeah, and also we're going to um, discuss her nom de plume as the inscrutable shrew. Some of you, I'm sure a lot of you will have read uh, um, her writing before. It's a uh, very amusing, very uh, funny, and uh, very insightful look into daily life in Zimbabwe. I've, I've really enjoyed reading, reading her work, and uh, I think a lot of people have had the pleasure. So if you haven't, go to the, the inscrutable shrew Facebook page, and I'm sure you can find, it, find some of the stuff there. So, Christy Lee, do you want to start telling us about you and uh, and what uh, what it is you do? Yeah, sure. So, um, obviously, I'm a I'm a filmmaker, um, and we Duncan is my partner, my life partner, and we started making the Telling Room, uh, as I said, just over a couple of years ago. Um, and so that's what we have primarily uh, been doing for yeah the last two years. Um, and then I, I obviously write on the side, um, and I have the, you know the inscrutable shoes, my blog. Um, so yeah, the, the the telling room has been a um, a really amazing uh, project to work on. It's our first film, and um, it's the, obviously there isn't a huge film industry here in Zim, and so we were kind of um, <laughs> threw ourselves in the deep end, and have just been. Um, yeah, figuring it out as we go along, just winging it basically. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it's an urban fantasy about a, a young guy who um, he investigates some murders in his home hometown. He has extraordinary abilities, um, and you know it's it's got monsters, it's got magic. Um, so it's kind of like a fun, adventurous type of of film, and and kind of ambitious in terms of the the VFX um, and the special effects, which is why our post production has taken. Um, so long. So um, yeah, it's it's been really fun to work on and, and something really different to do in, in Zim. Um, not a huge amount of, of other filmmakers here, but yeah, it's it's been really cool. 
So tell me, um, what what size sort of cast uh, did you did you have for the film? How many actors? What is the sort of size of your um, production team, um, post production team? Give us an idea of the scale of what what you what you were working with. So our main cast, uh, the, the main people were probably about, I'd say six uh, people. Um, all of our cast is, is Zimbabwean. Um, and yeah, so we had a, a, a main cast of, of six, but it was actually, there were so many characters in the film, like supporting characters that I think in the end um, with, with sort of secondary roles, it was probably something like, I don't know, 20, 25 people. Um, and so that was really cool to work with with such a big um, cast. And we had a, a huge amount of locations as well. Usually when you make when you start making a film as an indie filmmaker, your first film, you're not really supposed to do you know massive amount of locations. Um, you're kind of meant to keep it to sort of three or four. Mm. Um, but we because it's a fantasy and it's an adventure and stuff, we um, yeah we had a lot of locations. And so and then there were sort of a lot of people. And we had a lot of extras. Um, I think we, on one day, we had about 150 extras that we were kind of managing um, at Nesbitt Castle. So that was pretty interesting and, and fun. Um, and that was in Bulawayo. People came out, they got dressed up in sort of old fashioned clothing because it's it's set in like the sort of 60s, 70s. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, our crew, um, one of the challenges of, of making this film here in Zim has been that there isn't a huge, especially in the film industry, in the arts industry, a huge selection of professionals who've been trained, you know, in, in film school to do lighting and focus pulling and, and things like that. And so we kind of had to, we were in the deep end. We, we did a lot of the work ourselves. And then we had a, a small crew um, of young guys that we kind of trained, you know, on the job to do, you know, focus pulling and lighting a scene and stuff like that. Um, and that that was difficult having such a small crew. I think there was only about six of us um, as well. And we kind of had to wear a lot of hats running around, designing sets, um, doing the catering, feeding people, making sure that there were no continuity errors, lighting the scene, shooting the scene. Um, and so it was, it was definitely a, a huge team effort from a small group of people, um, but it was really fun to do. And I, I think when you have a, a really, big challenge and, and a big thing that you're trying to do and you have a small group you um you get really close it's interesting to see what you can accomplish um you know without such a massive team true um and uh so what was your particular role in it were you writer director what was your what what would you say your actual what was your main hat that you wore i'm sure you wore many like you said with a small team you would have had to wear a lot of hats and a lot of different things but um what was your main role So I probably be labeled as a producer. Um, Duncan wrote the script. So interestingly, I'm I'm the one who writes in my spare time, but he actually wrote the script for the Telling Room, and um, he directed it and shot it. And he he's really done the the most amount of work on this film of of all of us who who participated. Um, he's done the editing. He's done all the VFX and and all of that. Um, but I, so I was a producer and it was my job to, and, and we did a lot of this together as well, um, but it was my job to sort of organize shoots um, and obtain all of the props, costumes, uh, organize all the casting. Um, and then when we were actually shooting to just kind of manage the, the shoot and make sure that, 
you know, it, it's a big moving vehicle when you're when you're shooting a big moving machine because you know Duncan's got to be shooting and directing and dealing with actors, and I've got to be making sure that the props are all there and the set is designed and everything is you know there's no continuity errors and and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, I'd be considered as a producer, um, which is very much like a, a glorified administrator and an organizer, um, but really fun because it's all sort of in in the arts. Um, you know, costumes design and all of that sort of thing so yeah nice before we continue i just want to give a shout out to those watching you'll see me looking out to the side i've got another screen here where i'm viewing the video as a as a spectator as well so i can see who's actually watching all this but um thanks for coming Rashane, sham hi sham nice to see you you were so supportive thank you christine tookie tookie might even be a guest at some stage so that's cool thanks for coming tookie uh, Craig Black is there, Meredith Fisher from Victoria Falls. She's got a great B&B there. Um, Anish Lala, aka Andy. Thanks for coming, bro. Yo, my ninja. <laughs> Back at you, dude. Uh, Clara, hope you're well. Kirsty, she's my birthday twin. Um, Hussein, Kali, Joe, Mark, Darren Winterbore. Nice to see you, mate. Hope things are well there in Zim and you're still racing and winning all the races. Eleni, hi. And there's Michelle Calder. That's great. So thanks for all for coming. And at any stage, guys, if you have any questions that you want to throw in, chuck them in the comments. I'll bring them up on the screen. We can chat about it. We can do um, to oh, see Michelle Calder says, can't wait. Let's see here. Can't wait to see the telling room. I played a small part in the beginning of the movie. Oh, that's cool. Um, yes, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, yeah, Tammy's there now. Uh, yeah, so if you want to, if you've got anything to say, check your comment in. I'll bring it up like I just did with Michelle's, and we can chat and ask questions and get involved in the conversation. So we're not just talking at you, but uh, everyone's getting involved. If you are enjoying, tag your mates to come and join in, share the video, whatever works for you. Let's all get involved and, uh, you know, have a good time. So, uh, Christy Lee, when are we looking at potentially seeing the movie? <laughs> is that a big big pressure question so, <laughs> so at the moment we're kind of in the last stages of um post-production and as i said we were kind of ambitious in the in the cgi and, and visual effects which is also not a thing you're supposed to do when you're making your first uh, indie film but um we always kind of don't do things the way we should <laughs> so we're kind of in the last stages of doing that and um it's yeah it's hard to say you know we we kind of every time we put a, a date on it and we think okay we're going to be done by the end of the month type of thing something happens and delays us and and it takes a little bit longer and and that's kind of the nature of visual effects and cgi because especially when you you've got a, a very small team doing it um it you know if there's a software challenge then it, it delays you by two or three days while you try to figure that out um rendering times you know cgi takes ages to render so yeah we're kind of right at the end um and you know i'm i'm excited because it, it will be done in the next few months but because we've engaged agents and and various um sort of people overseas who are interested in the film um we're gonna be sort of when it's done they'll be you know watching it and and kind of going from there on you know potentially who's going to be showing it or who's going to be releasing it on our behalf who, who we might sell it to um and we don't know what that looks like yet so i can't really put a a date on it um 
but I suppose um, once we've kind of figured out with our agents and stuff where this film is going, we would we one of our plans is to have a release here in Zim, um, and, and also when this COVID nineteen thing is over, so that we can actually have it in a cinema, um, so that everybody who was kind of a part of it can can come and see it and see what we've done, you know, after all this time. Yeah. So just uh, again to stop there, we've got a special comment come through from uh, Daniel Lasker, who is actually the, the lead role in the in the movie. So Daniel said, hard work and patience always pays off. Uh, Dan, you don't really know me, but uh, I've known your mom my entire life. And I just want to say super proud of you, bro. I've seen a little bit of things that you've done. I really, really was impressed and touched and moved by your... Um, your your own version of the Joker's monologue that I saw on YouTube a few years ago, that I was I was like blown away by that. Uh, a lot of people don't know I really am quite a, a theatre type person. I like the cultural side. I used to be a dancer, um, so it's it's a big interest of mine as well. And uh, yeah, big up to you, mate. Well done. And I can't wait to watch the movie and see see you in it. And yeah, that'll be great. Uh, Clara says, Zim Entertainment making it mark. Woohoo! Can't wait to watch it. Clara lives in Vic Falls. She's uh, <laughs> So, putting putting the telling room aside for a bit, um, one of the one of the things that uh, that uh, that made me uh, that drew me towards you in the beginning was uh, the inscrutable shrew. Your writing, um, your writing is the inscrutable shoe, which I came across on social media and found very amusing. Could you tell me how that started and how <laughs> how the name came about, how it started, what what got you to to what? How, tell me about the birth of the inscrutable shoe. So I started the inscrutable shoe. I think it, it was um, in August two thousand and eighteen. And um, it was kind of in, in the middle of or straight after um, the coup. And I think we'd had, had our last set of elections, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't know if I've got the dates right there. But, um, you know, as I've been known to say, Zimbabwe kind of has this 10-year um, cycle. And so we were kind of heading into our decennial descent into chaos. Um, and I've lived here for, for seven years now. And, and I was here in 2008, but I took a break and then came back. And... Um, to kind of cope with the with the with the you know the deterioration of of how life had been in you know 2012, 13, 14, 15, um, I I wanted to lift people's spirits and I was talking a lot on on Zimvine and anybody who's who's not from Zim who's watching this, Zimvine is kind of um, your number one resource on Facebook if you are going to survive in Zimbabwe and if you're going to get survival here creamed. And, you know, it's where we get all our information. Where can I get this? Where can I buy that? And so I'd started asking my questions in a in a sort of playful and comedic kind of way. Um, and people kept on saying, oh, you should write, you should write, you should write a blog and, and stuff like that. And um, I'd never really considered myself a comedian before, but trying to find the funny, humorous side of, of daily problems that I was trying to solve, stupid things that, you know, like my car breaking down and trying to find fuel for the generator and, and things like that. 
um, you know, it was like a catharsis basically and to interact with people who were also facing those, those issues and wanting to laugh about it. And so I started the blog because people wanted to hear more, I guess, about um, life in Zim and and um, just the funny side of dealing with, with the challenges of living here. And so it's been a huge amount of fun to, um, to channel my frustration and my anger at at the injustices of having to deal with these these what I consider inane problems that are hindering people from achieving great things. Not necessarily hindering, but but you know you shouldn't have to be you know trying to get the lights on and trying to get the water running every single day um, when when you could be trying to become something great. And so that frustration I've kind of channeled into the blog and hope that it it's a form of um and, and not to sound over the top but a form of processing trauma in a way for people whose you know um their lifestyles had to change so much now with the power cuts and blah 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 um and they've been able to at least you know hopefully find some humor in it and um and yeah and be a little bit inspired and and you know take it in a bit more of a light-hearted manner mm -hmm. so for those of you who don't know like i've never met christy lee in person but we connected just over a year ago through not really sure. It was a random thing. She messaged me wanting to know about something that I had written about a hiking thing somewhere on social media. And uh, and then we got a bit of chatting. And then there was a, like when I did that weight loss transformation last year, I started a group called Raw Movement where people can like support each other through uh, their own physical journeys and fitness journeys and all that and she joined that and we've had a chat here and there and over the last year and a half we've had quite a few deep and meaningful conversations through text and a phone call here and there and we resonate quite well with each other so that's how we got to this point now where we we're chatting uh to acknowledge some comments amy grieve has said uh damn that south african accent well first amy we're not south african we are zimbabwean <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the equivalent of telling a Canadian that they're American. They're not American. They're Canadian. So <laughs> yes. So yeah. Not, uh, um, Andrew McCorney before actually making it. He's been trying to get on, be trying to watch the the the, the show for a couple of weeks now, and it keeps on getting sidetracked by something or another, and he's finally there. Yay! Good to have you. Um, there's another one, uh, another comment that's not over uh, Anne Williams, you need to turn it into a book. It would be awesome. I'm guessing that's uh, the telling room. Um, I think there's a, I think a, a future collaboration that's going to have to happen between you and I, uh, Christy Lee, is that when I get around to actually writing more of these chronicles of Suntwe, which I've been trying to write, I'm going to get you guys to make the movie out of it as well. But the there's a there's a clause. <laughs> in fact, before I tell you, anyone in the comments, uh, <laughs> a movie, my movie. Who should who should play me in my movie? Okay, let's see, let's see the stupid comments now. <laughs> my clause is that if you make my movie, you have to get uh, Tom Hardy to play me. I yes, have, yes. Oh, well, that would, yeah. That, I, yeah. I, have a giant <laughs> I actually can't Hardy. see anyone else doing that. I have a man crush on Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy <gasps> oh, I love oh, him as well. That dude is the shit. I like him. 
So, so but if you make my movie, you have to. Um, I didn't. I Bar and Pretorius, love you, bro. I have to. Um, oh, Anne Williams says, no, not the movie, the shrew would be made into the book. Agreed. The shrew. I want to say Andrew McConey, a book, coffee table, a hardcover. Okay. Daniel Lester. Daniel Someone Lester else is suggesting that Jeremy. Sorry, carry on. Someone suggesting that Jeremy Renner plays you. I could see that as well, but I prefer Tom Hardy. Yeah, Boren Pretorius reckons Brad Pitt. Daniel Lasker reckons Tom Hardy is the man. I'm with I'm with uh, Daniel Lasker on that one. Brad Pitt is is beautiful. We can't lie. Um, but uh, he's getting on a bit, and by the time my movie comes out, <laughs> he'll really be an old man. <laughs> yeah. No, I think Tom Hardy is the. Man. <laughs> What is your what is your um, goals with the inscrutable shrew? Do you have do you have any bigger plans for it, or is it something just because it's uh, it's a stress coping mechanism that you that you utilize to to gather your thoughts about day to day life, or is there a bigger goal? Is it something you're going to continue with in the long term? Do you think? I know these are big, quite pressured questions, and uh, there doesn't have to be an answer to them either. But um, I'm just curious. To, to know what your what your ideas are, what your thoughts are on it. So I look when I started it, it was definitely just a um, yeah a, a coping mechanism and catharsis. Um, and I still at the moment, you know, I don't have like a, a strict posting schedule or like some type of strategy that I have to follow or whatever. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not desperately trying to get views or, or, or gain more readers or anything. Um, it's literally there for people to, you know, kind of enjoy, you know, the, the writing for what it is um, and, and to kind of relate to the experience. So I think for now, that's probably what it will continue to be. But I would like to make a book um, about my experiences in Africa. You know, obviously, I've grown up in Africa between um Mozambique, Zimbabwe, South Africa. I've lived in Botswana and I've kind of been all over the, the southern part of this continent. Um, and there's so many stories that, you know, when you're sort of traveling around and, and living like a bit of a nomad, um, that, you know, fun stories, different people that you meet and, and different perspectives that you come across and and, and obviously a, a huge amount of challenges, um, long drives, breaking down on the road, corrupt policemen and stuff like that, that can that are such a great opportunity for humor. And so I'd like to make a, a coffee table book like... Um, Andrew was was suggesting um, possibly one day and get it illustrated maybe in the same style as my little banner with a little you know shrew picture and whatever um, yeah and then it's something that people who are in love with Africa and who've also experienced you know those kind of um, funny you know things that you do when you're traveling all around and interacting with different cultures um, you know they can keep that in, as a kind of memento of the experiences that we we have here when you when you are a, um, a traveling African. Do you like writing? Do I like writing? Mm. Um, I love writing. <laughs> I love writing. Um, but I, I love writing on my own terms. So I don't like to write for other people or for money. 
um, you know, for, for other sort of um, projects. It has to be something I really believe in if I'm going to write for an organization or something like that. And I've done a little bit of that. Um, but I, yeah, I love writing if it's for me and if it's about, you know, my experiences and yeah, just, you know, it's, it's an art that I, I don't want to um, sort of touch with, with, you know, forcing myself to do it for money or anything like that. I'm, I'm a bit the same. I, I really like writing. I, uh, I'm not very good at it yet because it's not something I've really focused on before the last year or so, but um, hopefully I'll get better. But um, yeah, I, I really like, I, I prefer the process of having written than the actual process of writing. Sometimes the process can be a little bit uh, daunting and a little bit frustrating. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to get things done, which is why I haven't written the sixth installment of the Chronicles of Sunquil since I started it in July. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out soon. I promise. I, I'm get it's almost, it's halfway done, and uh, every now and again I open it up and I write another line, <laughs> and then I close it again and I leave it for a week. So it'll, it'll be out soon, and then uh, I think once I get that sixth one out, it's a bit of a that's creating kind of a block in the system. I'll get the rest out faster after that because there's so much that needs to come out. Um, what are your what are you doing with yourself currently? How's life in Zim? What's going on? What's your plan? Um, so as I said before, we're we're kind of um finishing up post production on the telling room. Um, and I don't have a major role in the post production. Duncan is the visual effects artist, um, and so he he's kind of doing all of that. Um, but there's bits and pieces that we have to do, you know, um, we're doing a shoot soon of a scene that we've kind of added into the film right at the end, you know, once you once you edit everything together, you kind of notice if there's gaps or, or things you need to make clearer. So I'm kind of managing that. Um, and yeah, I've, we, I, we've been doing some work online, both of us as well. Um, and like I mentioned before, writing for organizations, um, I'm kind of starting to work with an NGO. Um, and it, it's very new. I, I it, it, there's nothing much to tell about it yet. Um, but yeah, just kind of um, looking for things to be a part of it more internationally. Um, and yeah, so, you know, I think over the next two months, we're going to focus on finishing the film. And then after that, um, you know, hopefully this, you know, this whole COVID thing has has kind of, I don't know, this because we're working from home, it hasn't stopped us from working necessarily, but it's put the whole world on on hold. And so even our agents overseas in America, you know, their operations will come to a halt. Um, and so, yeah, we're hoping that by the time we, we finish the telling room, this will all be over and we can kind of carry on, you know, go ahead with, with marketing it and doing what we need to do with it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's going to, we're going to kind of take a look at things once, you know, once we finish and, and hopefully once things kind of normalize. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, cool. So we've got another, another question from Andrew. He's saying, Christy Lee, would you publish your coffee table book as an autobiography or a chronicle of your life, love, and travels of Southern Africa? I think probably a chronicle um, of life, love, and travels. Um, and I think an autobiography, you know, I'm I'm 28, so I <laughs> haven't lived that long, really, in the grand scheme of things. So I don't know if I would I would publish it as an autobiography, but certainly a chronicle of, of at least the the stories that I've you know that I've been part of and the stories I have to tell um, and, and anything sort of super humorous and funny that that I've 
you know experienced mm. guys if you have any further questions on any of that stuff or any general questions or anything you'd like to discuss while we're here drop it in the comments let us know we can happily go on tangents this is just a a very very um easygoing organic type conversation i haven't I've, nothing here has been prepared it's completely off the cuff um and your input is very valuable and we encourage you wherever, we, wherever you want to give it um also i'm always looking just to take this opportunity i'm always looking for new guests i do this once a week every wednesday same time 7 p.m cat and uh, 6 p.m bst um I've got a couple of guests lined up still, but if you know anyone that uh, would be an interesting person to chat to, or if you're an interesting person to chat to, or if you have a specific topic that you think would be interesting to talk about, let me know. You can drop it in the comments. You can inbox me, whatever, and I will be happy to to make inroads into that happening. Um, what else was I going to say on that? I think that's good. Um, yeah. So, what else? I had a whole bunch of stuff in my head, and now I'm going a bit blank. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to that side? How's how's the UK at the moment? We've got another question, and then I'll get to yours. Um, it's from uh, Jennifer Norville. Christy Lee, are you going to carry on with your book? Hi, Gogs. <laughs> Jennifer Norville is my grandmother. <laughs> so um, I, I'm assuming that she's meaning another book that I have started writing, pro probably not the coffee table book, because we've only just discussed that now. Mm. Um, so in answer to your question, Gorgs, I'm yeah, I'm still writing that book, but that's very different to the material in The Inscrutable Shrew. Um, the Inscrutable Shrew is obviously a, a comedic sort of commentary on on life and, and how, you know, all that. Um, and the book that I'm kind of working on now is more of a fantasy novel. So, um, and, and that'll take me a while to get through. So that's kind of a work in progress. Oh, cool. So, yeah, I'm going to ask you another question. Um, we'll get to me later. Uh, but... Seeing as you are quite, you're a writer, and I am an aspiring writer, shall we say, um, what tips have you got for me to get through that block? Or anyone else out there who's a, who's a writer or an aspiring writer, any tips to get through that block where you just seem to be stuck and not able to move through um, a specific piece? Like for me, this, this sixth installment, I know the story because it actually happened. It's just a case of actually... The, the problem I'm having with it is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gee, how easy could it get, really? The problem that I have is that I have a, a major problem with perfectionism when I feel like the writing is not doing justice to the, the, mag the magnitude or the, the epicness of what the, what the actual experience was. And so I, I, I keep on stopping because I feel like I'm not doing it justice. How do you think I can push through that? So I totally relate to that, um, and and for all of the people who are my readers who are watching this, um, this is a great explanation of why I sometimes take weeks and months to post a new post. <laughs> so, because it's the same for me with the Inscrutable True, I'm writing about things that have happened. You know, how how easy does it get? 
um, when you just have to record something that's already taken place. Um, and I, it's the exact same thing for me. I'm a perfectionist, so, you know, and I want to do justice to the story and I want to make people laugh and, um, you know, so I, I will sit and, and on one word, one adjective, you know, I want to explore every variant available to the English language of that particular word to make sure that I use the right one. And, you know, so then you you write one sentence in, in two days, you know. And so what I learned, what I've learned for for my um, writing is that I would kind of design what what story I want to tell um, or what, you know, sequence of events I want to tell in this particular post and kind of outline it in, in just hard bullet points and just say, I'm, I'm going to talk about the, the Zessa problems. I'm going to talk about someone stealing the cable. I'm going to talk about raking in, in donations to replace the cables. And then I'm going to talk about, you know, the how to stay positive in, in when things like this happen, you know, just for example. Um, and then I try and write a paragraph on each point, no matter how imperfect it is. And instead of, you know, fussing over, you know, how am I going to open and what's the opening line going to be and, and is it going to be interesting to people? I just vomit it out <laughs> and just accept the word vomit. And I, I keep telling myself that I'm going to go over it and clean it up and use better words and correct my grammar and, and so on. And um, and it, it does take pushing, though. It's 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 not an easy process even for me. Um, and so I kind of have to like force my way through it and then go back. And and what's nice about that as well is that your your piece kind of evolves because you'll have your your sort of little outline and and your word vomit now on the page. And when it's down, you think, okay, this is not so bad. This is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, and then you go through and because you've got the structure, you're just adding meat to the bones now. And that that has made it easier for me. Whereas before, I would want to write every sentence perfectly from the get go without having to backspace even once, which is ridiculous. Um, and so then it would take me two to, you know, three hours to write one sentence. I mean, it's just ludicrous. So so that's what I that's what I do. I don't know if you know people have different writing styles, so it might not work for you, but you try it. I, I agree with you on, on the most of it. I have a big problem, though, in the fact that you see, you you want to write it and go back. I want to write it and never go back because, firstly, I'm lazy, and secondly, um, I feel like if I go back, <laughs> I will I will hate what I've written and want to scrap all of it as well. So I, I try and get it out and publish it so that I don't go back to it and then ruin it and by by being too uh, scrutinizing too much. So I I I but I'm getting to the point now where I'm realizing that something that is 60% as good as I want it done is better than something that's not done at all so something written that's a bit shit is better than something not written more. yeah so um we've got a couple of questions again yeah. we've got, uh daniel lasker saying what has been your favorite part of this entire telling room creation process and what was your worst wow what was my what was my favorite and what was my worst um let me see. I think my favorite part of it was, um, sorry, you can probably hear my dog whining in the background. Um, he was supposed to be with Duncan, but he's not. Um, I think my favorite part was we set out to do something that hadn't been done, not ever before in Zimbabwe, but certainly a fantasy film on this scale has not really been attempted in, in recent years, you know, in 10, 20 years. And, um, we set out to do that and we knew nothing at the beginning and we didn't know anybody here in the arts industry or the film industry. And as we went through it, we met people and put together a team in you know, our cast and crew 
and we got so close to those people and have made such good relationships and strong bonds with those people in in doing this artistic project and I've really enjoyed that. That I think has been my favorite part is creating art with other people. There's there's something empowering about that and something um, something special about it that that we could do something inspiring, something that hasn't been done before together, and we couldn't have done it without each other. So I really like that. Um, and I think my worst um, my worst part of it. Um, look, all of the telling room cast and crew who are currently watching this will agree that I had my days on set where I was an absolute dragon and breathed fire on everything that got into my car. And <laughs> and uh, so I, you could argue that that whatever was happening on that day was like you know the worst thing. But I can't actually remember anymore why I was so angry with with some of those things. It, you know, we'd forgotten props and I had to drive 40Ks to pick them up. I don't know, I can't remember. But I think overall, um, the the post-production process has been the most difficult for me because I'm not a VFX artist and Duncan has done all the editing and all the VFX work. And so this has been a pretty lonely journey for him. And I've obviously been here in the background supporting him and and obviously we go over the shots together and, and kind of crit the, the VFX shots and, and, and all of that and kind of make those decisions together. But I'm not kind of hugely involved uh, as he is. And so I've kind of been on the sidelines waiting until my sort of um, part can come back into play where we start engaging our agents again and marketing and you know getting on Facebook and spreading the word and organizing you know um, shows and showings of it at Stokeney Corn, whatever. So because I think that coupled with the fact that um, 2020 has been a bit of a write-off, 2019 was super difficult for us in terms of the power, things just got really bad here, fuel, we didn't have solar and so um, trying to keep Duncan's computer on so that he could work became this this Mount Everest. You know, there was just a nightmare every single day. I was, you know, constantly pouring fuel out of drums and, you know, buying 200 litre drums and having to run the generator 15 hours a day so that he could work and get things done. Um, and that was, you know, there, <laughs> those sort of times, and I, I think I wrote a blog post about it, you know, pouring fuel into a container and being doused in it uh, straight after bathing um, and, and spitting like a vicious cat. I, you know, those sort of times I thought to myself, is this worth it? Like, can we just throw this film in the bin so that we can be done with it? Um, but all of, but all of that at, at the end, at the end of it all, um, you know, you, you take the bath and you get the petrol smell off and, and go and have a cup of tea and, and a few weeks later you think, you know, what, it's, it's okay. Um, so yeah, I think some of those moments are, are my worst moments, but but all in all, I I do this again, and and I think that's the, that's the that's the telling thing is that I do it again. Well, it's a bit like any sort of endurance event where during during the endurance event, um, you're sitting there crying for your mom and going, "What the hell am I doing to myself?" And when you get to the end, you're like, "When's the next event?" I know I know the feeling. Yeah. I, I, I feel <laughs> it. uh, it's, uh, it's it's pain during during the event. <laughs> But once you reach the end and you have the growth and the accomplishment and the and the fulfillment of that growth that you've gone through that experience, you just want it again and again and again. I want to just take this opportunity to actually formally invite mm -hmm. Daniel Lasker. Would you like to be a guest for me at some stage soon on this uh, little social with Sunday show? You can tell us about your experience, um, your your mm -hmm. career, where you've come from how it's developed, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a formal invitation extended to you, Dan, if you want to, if you want to join us. Um, yeah, join me on another one. 
We've got Sandra Hudson just joined, is watching from Winchester in the UK. I saw um, a comment there agreeing that you were a bit oh, of cool. at some stage as well. Um, I'm sure there was, oh, then we've got another what question. Was that? Say that again. I said there was a comment that I brought up onto the screen when you said you were a bit of a dragon breathing fire. Uh, there was an agreement. There it is. Yes, she was. <laughs> yes, um, then, Too um, much chicken. Question. That's what's going on here. <laughs> another question from Andrew. I have another question for Christy Lee. I'm not a writer, but I have thought about writing a book about my life. I don't want it to be an autobiography as I'm only 32 years old. How do I get started writing a book? How do I avoid Paul's writer's block? Now it's got a name. Thanks. It's now Paul's writer's block. <laughs> and when do you know it's time to stop writing? Um, so, uh, well, the first answer that comes to my mind is to your last question. When do you know when it's time to stop writing? So I don't know if anybody, some people will know who Taika Waititi is. If you don't know who he is, you need to look him up. He's a really cool um, director from New Zealand. And I was watching a, a video that he was doing the other day when he was talking about writing, when he um, sort of joins people to write scripts and whatever. And and for and all of the movies that he's made, his indie films, and he says uh, people ask him the same question. They're like, how you know, how do you, what's your writing process, and how do you know when when you when you when you're not getting it right, basically like when to stop almost. And he says, you know, I just sit down and write, and when I get bored, then I stop. When when my story is boring me, then I stop and I change direction. And so, you know, I think if you're going to write, um, as you say, you don't want to make it, make it a, an autobiography, Andrew. Um, but if you're going to write about your life, there's obviously certain experiences that you want to share. And and so for me, all my experiences are going to be tailored kind of similar to the Inscrutable Shrew. They're going to be comedic experiences and, and inspiring um, ex experiences that I've had traveling in and around Africa, living in and around Africa, um, and, and really showing off the, giving a, a, an insight into African life and, and how we rise in adversity and and that sort of sense of humor that Africans have that you know that takes a real beating but but you can never beat it out of us and so you I guess you have to decide like what your I don't want to say your message because you don't you don't necessarily need to be preaching something but what your message is going to be or, or what 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 story are you trying to tell about your life maybe it's not your whole life story because you don't want a an autobiography but what what story are you trying to tell and then just you know the events that have happened in your life or the experiences or, or thought processes that you've had that are sort of around that um start structuring those in into some type of structure that you know that you want to put across to your readers um and then work on it, it bit by bit um it's it, it's not an easy thing to write a book um but when it's about your life and your life experiences you've already have events that have already happened for you to draw on so that's a bit easier so it, I think it would be just about structuring it and then putting meat on bones um, once you've got a structure down that you're happy with I don't know if that answers your question do you know what I'm struggling with a lot as well with, with why I, I take time to get these stories out is the fact that the stories was try, I'm trying to make them as standalone as possible that you can read them out of order and all the rest of it although the last three have to be in order you to really appreciate them but the thing that i really struggle with especially because it's it might not pretty autobiographical because they are about the adventures that i've had but to get a full understanding of the story that i'm telling 
there are like seven or eight sub stories that need to be understood at the same time. <laughs> so like if I was to sit here and tell you the story of that one time I did such and such, I would start telling you and I'll say, but hold that thought. And then I'll tell you a whole background story that got to that point and then carry on the story a little bit. And then let's say, hold that thought because there's a background story to tell you that got to that point so that you understand where, you know, because for instance, there's 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 things about how I overcame fear on certain things because I'm I'm a wuss. I'm a very I'm a I'm a wussy kind of person in in general. Like that's who I am. <laughs> so when people see me hanging from a helicopter or um, kayaking down a river or you know climbing a mountain or being stupid, doing something ridiculous that is considered to be brave. Um, and that I, they don't realize that I'm I'm shitting myself most of the time, and it's uh, so there's background story to how that happens. But how do you know what to incorporate, what not to? How do you string that all together? That's the part that drives me mental. Yeah, it 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 is a it, that is really difficult. Um, so from from a novel writing perspective, the, the novel that I'm writing now. Um, which is still a work in progress and all of that. It's 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 different to the inscrutable shrew in that it's not a commentary on daily life. It's something I'm making up. It's fiction, and I've had in order to to put put the story across, I've had to sit and like do this whole structure, this this whole plan from beginning to end. Um, because like you say, when you, it, it's similar in that you you've overcome fear and there's certain things that have have happened in your past that you know are, are reasons that you've done that and that have helped you do that and, and there's all these sort of points that you want to string together and, and kind of make them all connect so that people can understand the full scope of of this you know how you overcame it and why certain things are important. Um and so in, in fiction storytelling, um that's kind of like setups and payoffs, um, you know, where you bring attention to something in the beginning of a of a story and then later you pay that off with, you know, with where things come full circle in that particular thing. And so when you're writing a story, you, you the planning of it is quite important because you you can kind of if you don't plan it, you can kind of get lost um, and and you haven't set certain things up to so that people know, you know, I'm actually quite a quite an anxious person. Um, and I realized that I needed to, you know, learn how to overcome my fear. And then later when you are sitting on a raft and, and you know, doing all these crazy things, you've kind of come full circle. And there's a whole bunch of things in, in the middle of that that have led to that. People can kind of get lost in that. But if you have kind of planned out the message, I keep using the word message, but I don't mean it as, as like a, a preachy sort of thing. But if you planned out the message that you are wanting to get across, mm. um, and, the, and, and you've thought about before what things are important to that message, like that are going to sort of set up the steps or set up the the beats that you're needing to hit in your story. Um, planning that out means that you can you can kind of keep it um, focused. So even though you're going to tell other stories and bring in bits of your other backgrounds and and past events or experiences, they're all going to be relevant to the story that you're trying to tell. So I don't know, you know, if when you're trying to do standalone. Um, autobiographical content um, and you want them to be standalone so that people can just hop in and read anywhere but they could also work as one you know long sort of autobiographical account mm. um, maybe try planning them in sections you know like say these five these five stories are going to be about how I overcame fear and then mm. you kind of have your thread of overcoming fear throughout all five of them each one is now dedicated to um to one section of that. So, you know, like, let's say your first section, you know, of the five is is how you realize that you were afraid. 
um, and if you admitted to yourself or whatever that you were afraid. I'm just giving examples. Um, and then you pick like one or two events um, that kind of led to that, you know, so so how your thought process, you know, how you came to the conclusion that, you know what, actually I'm a scared person. And so you'll have a, a beginning, a middle and an end to that and a, a setup and a payoff to that, that, you know, your story, you, you know, part one starts that, you know, I was acting out and I was, I didn't understand myself or whatever. And you get to the end of the story and I, you know, what I had to admit was that I'm afraid and guess what? I need to do something about it. And then you leave it at that. And then you move on to part two, you know, and, and, and your, your, your little stories that you tell in part one can have their beginning, middle and end, but you kind of leave people with that idea that something else is coming to, to continue in this natural journey that when someone realizes they have a problem, like being afraid, they know that they need to go on a journey to, to overcome their fear. And then part two will now be the start. You've embarked now on um, on figuring out how to overcome your, your fear and what steps you're gonna take to do that. And then you do that for, you know, part two, part three, part four. And then, you know, part four, because it's the second last would be kind of coming to the end and, and where people can see that in part five, you're gonna overcome. You're, you're right at the sort of top of Everest. You haven't summited yet, but you're getting there. There's maybe one more lesson you need to learn type of thing. Mm. Um, and have your kind of success and your victory in, in part five. So, you know, I could go on and on about the, the structure of story and Duncan is really, really good at this and he has some good, um, he's written like a little sort of structured thing that you can use when you're writing stories. And I use that a lot in, in my writing. So I could definitely like, um, show you that, but in a nutshell, I'd, I'd I'd split it up into into little parts and and have like a, just one main thread that kind of runs throughout to keep you on track, but still allow you to explore the different backgrounds that you want to explore. Yeah, well, the, well, the common theme through the whole thing is basically overcoming fear and uh, and 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 overcoming fear in the fact in the face that I am a, a, a fearful person and the the, the 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 grandiose message of what I try to deliver in life is that there's no extraordinary people just ordinary people doing extraordinary things and then pushing themselves out of competence I don't believe that there's any genetically superior or um, I, I'm sure there's predisposition to certain things but the point is that everybody's the same flesh and blood at the end of the day and the only reason some people do things and some people don't is because they just you know some people push themselves out of their comfort zones and others don't so so that will be very helpful i'm very very that, that was great thank you for that um daniel lasker has replied and said he's keen so everybody will be having daniel lasker as a guest soon i'll liaise with him offline um at another stage and we will set that up um Andrew McConey endurance event. Would this happen to be the infamous walk? The walk was part of it, but I mean, I've done a lot of endurance events, whether it's mountain biking and all sorts of stuff. Where cyclone thing, it was an endurance event in itself over those days of long, long, hard days, just about food and water. So, yeah, lots of different types of endurance events, really. Um, he said that he answered when to stop writing is answered. That's cool. And then question for Paul from Andrew. I suppose I should stick it on the screen. Um, how do you differentiate between bravery and stupidity? Do you have an experience to highlight the difference between the two? Well, <laughs> that's a cool question. <laughs> that is a cool question. Um, I think you see again because I'm. I, I am be, before before anything else. I'm a bit of a nerd, and on top of being a nerd, I'm a bit of a, a, a scaredy cat. And so, whatever I 
embark on, which may seem risky or uh, dangerous to the naked eye or to somebody looking from the outside, I have calculated my risk extensively before I do something. And I, I fight fear with competence and knowledge. So whatever I do, I've sat researching, studying, gaining as much knowledge as I possibly can, um, which is in, in my reach before I embark on something quite hectic. I'm not just going to throw myself into a into a situation, which is why like like I'm not keen on bungee jumping. I don't like roller coasters. I don't bother with any of that because those to me are like there's no skill involved. It's it's theme park rides. So I, I don't like the fact that I can't calculate it. I can't control it. I can't it's not dependent on my skill level. It's really just dependent on a piece of equipment that if it fails, it fails. If it doesn't, you're good. And they won't fail, which is fine. But it, it just doesn't it doesn't appeal to me in any way. So I, I'm not the guy to go on roller coasters or, or do bungee jumping. I like paragliding. I like um, I like kayaking. I like things where calculated risk is uh, a calculated risk, some level of skill that's required and uh, training, and something that you 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 bite off the amounts that you can chew based on your capability or your physical capability or your um your um knowledge and the rest of it so bravery is that calculated risk not putting others in danger as a result um facing your fear by utilizing knowledge to move forward and stupidity is people who throw themselves into situations without the right information without the right knowledge without the right skill sets putting others in danger in the process and themselves in danger so for me, that's stupidity. If you watch programs like uh, Jackass, those guys did stupid shit. And then you watch something like um, <laughs> it, it, it's it's a French thing called the uh, Le Petit Bus Rouge or something, which is the little red bus. And it's a bunch of um, circus folk type circus folk who are slackliners, base jumpers, and climbers. And they travel around in this little red bus in clown outfits and stuff, jumping off cliffs, doing base jumping and stuff. And you look at them and that's not stupidity. That's bravery. And it's very, they're very good at what they do. They know what they're doing. They take the piss out of it by wearing clown outfits and all the rest of it. I really recommend watching them. Um, and it's it's a different thing. So some guys are putting themselves in danger and trying to get hurt like the jackass guys. And some people are actually skilled, skilled, um, skilled athletes. I had this similar conversation. I was interviewed by a journalist on Sky News in 2016, where they were asking, you know, like, does the go has the go the invention of the GoPro contributed to base jumping deaths? Um, and uh, I was saying, look, I'm not a base jumper, but I can tell you that uh, you know most adventure sports athletes really do take calculated risk. They don't they don't show for the camera. They just record what they can do. It's more like these uh, weekend warrior home people that suddenly think because they've seen something on TV, they can do it themselves. They don't see the training and uh, and um, stuff that goes goes into it. So I don't think the GoPro really contributes to the athletes' deaths like the base jumpers, but it probably has contributed to a few injuries for Muppets at home that think that they can do what they shouldn't be doing. We are coming up to one hour now, so I just want to take any more questions from anybody in, who's watching. Um, otherwise, we're going to wrap it up. I don't want to keep everybody forever. Um, again, like I said <laughs> over and over, if you've enjoyed this, please tag people to watch, share it with your friends. 
Let me know if you want to hear any specific topics discussed. I'm still very keen to get a conservationist of some sort. I'm very keen to talk to a hunter guide. Um, I want to, uh, what I really want out of this, um, this uh, platform is to discuss various topics, broad topics, um, and explore them from all different angles. Like I, I really wanted, I don't want to sit here with like I'm pro and I'm against. I don't want to have that kind of discussion. I'd rather look at it, even put my own belief systems aside and play devil's advocate, play around with it. Because the, the point of the whole thing is to educate and grow myself. And hopefully if it spills over into whoever's watching, that would be great too. So um, I will come into the conversation with a really open mind. I might ask hard questions about certain topics. I might ask easy questions. It'll be, it'll all be um, with the with the with the idea of wanting to to expose different perspectives rather than come to a right answer. I'm not interested in right answers. I'm interested in many perspectives because at the end of the day, my belief system is that it's important to have strong opinions that are loosely held. So I have strong opinions on certain things, but they're all loosely held. And if I'm educated away from my opinions, I'll take on the new education rather than be solid in my opinion. So, yeah, so that's that. And if there are no more questions, there's a lot of people have just joined. Uh, Dylan Freeman, he is a legend. You should see his pictures. They are beautiful. He does uh, falconry in Dubai, I think. And... Um, yeah, Dylan, actually, you will be a sweet guest. Please, can we do something? Um, we can talk about falconry in Dubai. That would be amazing. Um, write that shit down. <laughs> uh, Anita Sales, she's a beautiful dancer that uh, I've known for years. Um, Gareth Blake is there. David Amiot's supposed to be a hunter guide that's supposed to be on the show. We're just waiting for him to get a stable internet connection. So I'm keen for him. Jason Doraz, haven't seen you in a long time, bro. Happy days. Um, Stacey Atwell, Natasha Ann, I haven't seen you for years. And Nika, hi. So yeah, quick, last chance to put in some comments, last chance to ask some questions. Um, do you have anything else you want to say or ask or talk about quickly? Um, no, I think we kind of, gone over quite a bit um but I, I i really agree with your um philosophy on um you know st strong opinions held loosely um so that you can yeah you know, be open to education and, and be educated away from that you know if if you know if you are um and also your philosophy of being known for what you are for and not for what you're against um yeah, yeah i think that's that's really awesome and we've spoken about this kind of thing before um so yeah i i love that and yeah um this has been fun i don't see any more um questions coming up but i love the questions that got asked um sort of throughout those are really cool thanks andrew you asked most of them <laughs> andrew's showing you some love as well he says uh, uh christy lee you're amazing thank you for allowing us to pick your brain tonight good luck on future projects and endeavors oh thanks for joining man <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we chatted earlier, and there's a potential that we will be collaborating a little bit more, uh, Christy Lee and I. So this won't be the last time you've seen her on my feed. And I might, at some stage, invade the inscrutable shrew. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so. Oh, Andrew's got one more question. <laughs> vlogs versus vlogs. Which one is your go-to? <laughs> Wow. 
Blogs versus blogs. Uh, what do you think, Paul? What's it for you? Uh, it depends on what you're trying to achieve and who you're trying to trying to um, trying to reach at the end of the day. Um, it's a difficult one. Like this is something else that I find quite interesting is because most of my chronicles of swimwear are on my website and I share the link to my website. And what I've noticed is that in Zimbabwe, by doing that, I minimize my my shares and I minimize my readership because. Um, people buy Facebook bundles specifically. So if they have to click to a link outside of Facebook, they don't read it because they don't have a data bundle. So um, whereas a, like a live broadcast like this through Facebook is still part of the data bundle that you buy as a, as a Facebook user. And um, that's a specific Zimbabwean thing, whereas everybody outside of Zimbabwe has no problem clicking a link outside of Facebook. So if I want to get readers, better readers in Zimbabwe, I have to actually take my blog and put it in a Facebook post instead of having an, an external link to go to. So it just depends who do you want to watch. You need to you need to know who your target is, what you're trying to achieve, what the message is again. Um, will it be better through a visual medium? Would it be better through a written medium? Um, I've often thought about maybe, you know, because I have all these side stories and stuff, I was thinking maybe the Chronicles of Sundwe should literally be me sitting here telling the story and bringing in the video footage on the sides. In a, in a video that can go onto YouTube and stuff. But then I would need somebody in the room with me who I can actually tell the story to so I can feed off someone. Because I've tried to record it just telling the story and without the audience to feed off of and the reaction and the question and the, oh, just hold on, I gotta get through this, you know? it's It ends up being like, once upon a time, I went to this thing and it gets very dreary and boring. So it depends on <laughs> it depends on how you, how you, how you operate really. But I think, yeah, I mean, do you agree with that? Hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I totally agree that it, it depends on who you're trying to reach. I, I have exactly the same thing with, with the Inscrutable Shrew when people were kind of saying, oh, you should start a blog and whatever. Um, you know, whenever you think of a, a written blog, you kind of think WordPress and stuff like that. But the reality for me was that Facebook is the most accessible thing for Zimbabweans. Um, I myself hate clicking out onto onto links to go to different websites. I like that Facebook is very social in terms of blog posts, and because my stories are very like based in in our community and and sharing our sort of experiences i wanted people to be able to easily like tag people and do stuff like that and facebook is just great for that um and so i had chosen to do written blogs instead of vlogging um because i am a writer i love writing and i i like um using the english language to you know to to put views across because it can it can just be so yeah so great um i'm not being very eloquent right now but but you know me. <laughs> so so for me, it works to go on Facebook, put on my my written post and just post it. But if you and, and you know, you can do vlogging on, on Facebook really easily as well. It's not that you have to go to a different um, platform, but I guess you have to decide what your how do you best communicate? Some people are the most fantastic orators in that they can tell um spoken stories magically and so for if, if you're a person like that who can who doesn't want to sit down and like slog away at writing like you heard what Paul and I were saying before about how we get writers block and we're perfectionists and whatever if you want to skip all that out and you're really good at 
um, at storytelling verbally, then go for a, a vlog. You know, if you're the type of person with charisma who can catch an audience and they want to listen to you and they want to hear your your the way that you tell a story, um, then you can get really far doing vlogs and, and telling your stories like that. Um, and Facebook is also good for that if you don't want to do it on a website, especially if it's going to be Zimbabwean based. If your read or if your view viewers are Zimbabwean based, um, mainly. And then you know, and if you don't feel like you know. I, I don't have any problem speaking in front of the camera, but I, I think I'm I'm more eloquent in, in the written word than I am in in speaking. And so for me, the the written blogging was was the way to go. So it, it just depends who you're trying to reach and um and how you want to go about that. What what suits you and your communication style? No, I agree. Um, so we'll we'll take one more question, and then we're going to wrap because it's uh it's going over an hour now. Um, so here it is. Speaking of vlogs, can one be a successful YouTuber in Zim? So first thing I want to say to this question is what's your definition of success? Is it, uh, is it financial success? Is it viewership? Is it uh, influence? What, what, what success are you actually trying to achieve? Secondly, um, I don't think geography should be a problem when it comes to success. The only issue that I see when it comes to monetization in Zim is the fact that you probably need um, an external bank account ability to utilize credit card transactions paypal all the stuff that is limited in zimbabwe well, was limited when i was still there because i i explored a lot of avenues that i could um monetize or or um even simple stuff like i do t-shirt sales if anyone wants a t-shirt i sell t-shirts on my facebook page both this one and the, the raw adrenaline page and it's just pocket change really to try and keep the the, the content going um, so if you want to support and buy a teacher, go for it. No pressure. I'm not forcing it on anybody. Um, or if you've got a t-shirt idea that you think would be cool and I can put on there, tell me. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so it's, you've got to define what your success is and all the rest of it. Uh, there's no reason why you can't uh, create decent content in Zimbabwe and start going. I mean, there's no, there's no blocks except the, 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 the actual physical banking blocks, I guess. There's one more begging for a question. Wait, one more question. David Martins, what do you want to know, buddy? Tell us quickly because we're going to wrap you up. Do you have anything to add to that vlog, vlog, uh, YouTube thing? Sorry, say that again? Do you have anything to add to what I just said about the the vlog, the the YouTube successful YouTube thing? Um, yeah, I think it's possible to be a successful YouTuber in in Zim. Um, it, basically, you've got to have good content, and you've got to have an, an audience, and your audience doesn't necessarily have to be in Zim, but I, I would imagine that being a Zimbabwean, your content is always going to be coming from that kind of experience. Um, and so I agree with Paul that you, your main sort of hurdle here is is where your funds are going to go because it needs to be external. Um, sorry, my dogs are barking in the background. Um, and But if you can overcome that and, and figure out how to have a, a sort of um, offshore account or, or something of that nature, then it's really just about um, making good content and knowing who your audience is and, and making sure it caters to them um, and, and putting it out there. I, I think that we're so global now that there's no reason people in Zim can't become successful YouTubers. Okay, so the last question, and if you're feeling it, uh, from David Martin. 
follow you. I have a personal question. Have you found a wedding venue yet? We have followed your wedding planning online, so we need to know that. <laughs> so, yes, we found a wedding venue, and we were supposed to get married on the 2nd of May. Um, because of COVID-19, it has been postponed. So, boo. Um but yeah, we found a wedding venue and we, I, I, obviously lots of people have seen me asking to borrow stuff online and I'm always asking to borrow stuff from people for shoots and movie and then I thought, why not for the wedding? You know, people have got stuff lying around. So yeah, we found a venue, but we haven't been able to get married yet. So that's still, pictures will be forthcoming once the wedding has taken place one, one day in the future. <laughs> right, guys. So that is a wrap now. We're done. A uh, massive thank you to Christy Lee for joining me and massive, massive thank you to everybody who's watched and got involved and asked questions and engaged with the situation. Without without that, without you guys watching, without the questions, it's pointless. Uh, well, somewhat pointless. It's still nice to have a conversation and uh, have my own, uh, my own questions answered as well. But, um, yeah, ultimately we do it for you. And... Uh, Hopefully it's provided you some entertainment. As always, I hope we've left you with more and not less and that you've gained value from the situation. If you have gained value, please share it with your friends. Please uh, encourage people every Wednesday, 7 p.m. CAT. Um, if I don't have a guest, then I just do a, a, an Ask Me Anything session. I've only had to do one of those so far. And um, yeah, take care, stay well, stay safe. And again, Christy Lee, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to join me and being so welcome. Cheers, everybody. Thanks so much, Paul. Really appreciate it. It's been so fun.